0: pitch a great
1: save by Brad Osman that's what he must have majored in the Dartmouth stopping would be wild pitches that that was quite an effort Jamie
0: Navarro's still around and I'm kind of surprised that Cedeno is as deep as he is at shortstop because on a chopper he's got no chance of coming home with it they've got to go second to first and a chopper scores the run that's the most unusual defensive alignment in this situation already
1: Fouled it off. He's lucky he did. He's way off stride on that one. Mark was fooled by the pitch, but he tapped it foul. <laughs> Sam, you made the shirt too long. Cubs win. with a single to left, and the Cubs have won
0: the season's opener before a capacity crowd of almost 39,000 paid. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast It's time to remember this crap And Mike Donahue is with us as always Mike, how are you? Uh, You're frozen That's how Mike is, Mike's frozen So I'm sure he'll be back in a second Um, But it's a perfect time for me to tell you That as always The Pointless Exercise Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped Summer's coming, and hotter days are just around the corner. Keep cool with the help of our friends at Manscaped, who just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer grooming routine with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And get ready for summer by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code REMEMBER20. It's time I to got bundle up the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel a travel bag. We didn't get a travel bag and a what? travel bag to hold your goodies. I don't want to know what goodies they want to put in that bag. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Trying not to laugh during a live read, you know keep it professional That's but I, I i was very excited to receive what i will just sort of deem an early father's day gift from the fine folks at manscaped um in addition to the lawnmower 4.0 which they had sent a month ago um very excited to use the weed whacker because in my advanced old irish guy years i'm finding the need to really keep uh keep my nostrils clear
0: well let me tell you uh, let me tell you about the weed whacker the Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor. Yes. Motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Uh. <laughs> huh.
1: And then, of course, I'm holding... The one that I might be most excited about, of course, is the crop shaver, um, only because... Uh, I, I'm I'm very slow to convert to electronic trimming I like the natural feel uh, whether it's my face or my head or my balls uh, of, of not having any stubble whatsoever and I know that can be a tricky proposition uh, when you go down there to have a blade but uh, I've become uh, as Steve stone would say I've got the hands of a sturgeon <laughs> but um, I've been saved so far but uh, the the crop shaver uh, this this you know handy little um, uh Just straight, you know, razor blade that it seems easily contoured. Uh, Very successful this morning. My boys are still there, and um, very, very clean. So, uh, kudos to the folks in the R and D for the crop shaver.
0: I'm never going to find it anything but odd that you're more comfortable with a real razor. I'm telling you, with an electric one, smooth as a baby's bottom. (laughs) As I rub rub the top of my head. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Remember20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code remember20 at manscaped.com. Stay fresh this summer and shine with Manscaped. So it's time to spin the wheel of crap and see what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, 90 minutes or so. Are you ready? Yep. Uh, I'm ready. Look at it go. It's very exciting. Uh, uh, Uh-oh. We're stuck in the 90s.
1: Still in the '90s, and might as well just relabel
0: this. We might, we might just have two separate shows. Go ahead. 1996. That's today's season of crap. So five quick things about the 1996 Cubs.
1: Happy to do it. Um, the astonishing return of Ryan Sandberg. Uh, on opening day 1996 and on that very same opening day uh, former uh, subject of remember this crap much discussed in the early episodes um, Jaime Navarro uh, took the ball on opening day uh, against the Padres in a game which also happened to be Ricky Henderson's first appearance in Wrigley Field at the ripe old age of oh, yeah. I don't know late 30s um, I'll have a story for uh, my time in the bleachers and in and, 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 you know, engaging with, with Mr. Henderson at that point. Fact number three, I'm going to stay on opening day. We were referenced this guy before, uh, in addition to all of the litany of cub young closers that they've developed like Lee Smith and, you know, Bruce Sutter and, uh, and Bill Connell. You know, there are other guys that came through town, um, At the other end of the tunnel, Goose Gossage, uh, one guy that fits that ladder profile, and Dave Smith was another, but another one would be Doug Jones, who blew the save on opening day, and uh, eventually lost his job to uh, Turk Wendell. Um, 1996 was uh, the Cubs were alive uh, somewhat faintly, not really, not one of those real seasons. But there was a season in St. Louis uh, in which uh, we saw the last uh, the death rattle of Ozzie Smith and Ryan Sandberg, who both had huge hits. But Cardinals swept the Cubs, and the Cubs ended up losing about 14 of their last 16 games uh, in that season. And uh, the only other fact that I'm going to throw out here at the beginning, obscure as though it may be. Uh, the writing would have been on the wall for long-time '90s curly-haired third baseman Steve Bouchel, as uh, he was. Uh, the Cubs had introduced some competition for him in the form of Leo Gomez, about whom uh, one Michael Donahue he was was particularly optimistic about heading into the season, which just kind of shows you uh, how tortured we were at that point in time. So, the 1996 Cubs, folks, yet another Tribune. Production, mediocrity by design in the 96 Cubs were very much in that range.
0: Yeah, so on uh, September 13th, the Cubs were 74 and 72, five games out. I don't know where they were in the wild card card race. Which was new, yep. They managed to lose 15 of their last 17. I was off by a game. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, all the names of the guys that beat them, it's it's an illustrious group um mims philadelphia (laughs) Kurt Schilling, domino's Osborne, todd stottlemeyer uh the cardinals had a bailey this was not homer um god i wonder who that would have been francisco cordova oh i remember francisco cordova dave Uh, berba dan plisak got him after
1: after he had pitched with the cubs wow
0: got him twice Twice in the last weekend,
1: he got two wins or two saves against
0: them. No wins. he
1: vultured two wins
0: yeah and um, the season ended with Jaime Navarro going down to a good good friend and uh, drug trafficker Steve Loiza Esteban Esteban, Esteban that's right so yeah, the Cubs were uh they had a winning record at home 43 and 38 they were 33 and 48 on the road. They uh, were 16, 11 in June, 14, and 12 in July, 15, and 13 in August, and then 9, and 19 in September.
1: They tanked. It was um, so 1996 for me personally, there are certain years that resonate. 1984, which we'll talk about in the context of the Cubs. um, You know, like my last year of innocent, I was 12 years old. The Cubs surprised everybody with the playoffs. 1988, I remember I started driving, and there's a certain year. 1996 was exciting. Uh, cause we'd been out of school a short while and, uh, I had gotten, um, uh, you know, enough money saved up to where I was, uh, able to live in an apartment with a roommate, uh, uh, off the intersection of Southport and Grace, which was about three blocks from Wrigley Field, we moved in in February. I was twenty-four, making a little bit of money, and uh, and of course the main motivation. Even though I had a job all the way out in the southwest suburbs, I was way out in yeah. Westmont, Illinois, which is like west of two ninety-four, south of thirty-fifth uh, Street. Okay, um, so it really counterintuitive. It was a you'd reverse been, commute. You'd been
0: better off standing to calep and driving. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I'm We're reverse. Talking.
0: I'm reverse commuting.
1: Let me just say that oftentimes on Fridays coming home, uh, I learned all of those South Side angle roads: your Ogden Avenue, Plainfield Road, uh, uh, Joliet Road, whatever. Like every twenty-second street, cutting through Berwyn. I mean, it was just. Uh, it was sometimes it was a torturous pilgrimage. Nevertheless, I was committed to living within blocks of Wrigley Field, regardless of where I worked, because I was going to spend every ounce of available free time um at 1060 west addison and i probably went to more games in 96 i bet i wasn't even a season ticket holder i was invited to have a share of tickets beginning the next year but in that first year is probably where i went to the most games ever probably over 30 uh went to the opener of course there's only my second opener coincidentally Oh, that opener
0: is for some reason one of Marquis's favorite games to replay Woo!
1: Really? I know it was uh. a, it
0: was a walk off win. Right? It was Grace, I think, at the win. It he was hit. Mark Grace. Yep. And yeah, and he,
1: well, he, after Doug Jones had blown it, yes.
0: And I believe they show it because uh, so it's the return of Ryan Sandberg. But in hindsight, oh. no one is excited about that. Not even Ryan. Well, in hindsight, right, the return right. was a, was just a wet, it was a wet turd of a return. He was there, Ryan, but he wasn't yep. Ryan Sandberg anymore. He was kind of like it's basically it's exactly like Jake Arrieta's back. He's not Jake Arrieta. He's just some some clown with a bad beard and a shaved head who used to be awesome. And I just prefer to think of Jake the first time. And I'm going to expunge this one from my memory. And that's kind of how it was with Sandberg.
1: You're absolutely right. At the time, you know, I I remember. You know, we've talked. You and I have talked about it. We've, you know, uh, I think we, we, we give Sandberg his proper due. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. It was a privilege to watch him. Um, you know, we, some people might think we were quick to, you know, laugh at his shortcomings, but. At the end of the day, I my speaking for myself. I, I remember how much I hoped that you know, I was excited about it. it. There was a sort of a parallel track to Michael Jordan, right? They both they both wore twenty three. They're both Hall of Fame players. Jordan retired, came back to a rousing success, yeah, a, a right. huge second totally, act. Right. He, he quit in ninety three, came back in ninety five. Samer quit in ninety four, came back. And even admitted in his biography, which he had time to write in between, uh, during the retirement with uh, Joseph A. Reeves known under his byline as Joey Reeves, um, that, you know, he was, uh, among other things, you know, a little bit inspired by Jordan's comeback and, uh, and try to make a go of it. And it was just, remember just like, well, he hit 25 homers, didn't he? He hit like 25 homers, but he batted 244, yeah, he, um. And he didn't have the – he was not the same second baseman. The best thing about Sandberg coming back, as much as for a lot of us that lived it and in retrospect may have sullied his reputation, it did one absolutely noble thing and it allowed him the opportunity to surpass Joe Morgan as the all-time leader for home runs hit by a second baseman. That alone uh, makes it worth it.
0: And I think if we look at why Joe hated him so much, that that's why. I think Joe felt like when (laughs) Sandberg retired – his yeah. record was safe, even though Jeff Kent would have obliterated it eventually anyway.
1: But we all know Jeff Kent couldn't move you no, know, right. side without
0: falling over, yeah, so he just, he's not even in the discussion. He didn't play second base. He manned second base. Correct. Yes. Go stand over there, so, Jeff.
1: But you're right. And, and he played the steroid era. So just, he did, so he Joe had standards. two
0: years where to him, he's like, oh, my record's safe. Nobody's going to yep. break it. And all of a sudden, that yep. son of a bitch came back, and he's hated him ever since. Well, I mean, that's
1: a great theory. There might, there might, that's, there's probably some truth to that. Um, You know, meanwhile, Joe Morgan, who like breaks into the league in like 1965, just plays long enough where some of those counting stats look more impressive than they might be. Um, You know, I don't know, resents a guy going out. It's not really on top, but regardless, uh, kudos to to Ryan for that. So, But, yeah, he did come back on that opener. It was my second opener. Coincidentally, my first was discussed last week, which was just a a tale of debauchery from DeKalb to Chicago and back to DeKalb. Uh, In 96, I was living three blocks away. Took the day off work, of course, because that's what you do when you're single and 24. You burn up your days to go to Wrigley Field. Uh, Went with a group of people. I was excited. We were in the left field. Ricky Henderson's there. I'm stoked. Hey, hot dog! And Ricky turns around, and uh, uh, as soon as uh, as soon as I, I said, "Welcome to the National League," and then Ricky was pretty good. He sort of pretended to slather himself in hot dog, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it was it was exciting. He was already a Hall of Fame player, and it's amazing that Henderson played for another five years, but he'd never played in the National League until. Um, and this is an era, of course, this is the last era of non-interleague uh, play. But this was the, la- you know, there were a, a whole there are generations of ball players like Ted Williams and you know a butt for high school, Lou Gehrig, George Brett, Robin Yacht, never played at Wrigley Field, um, and Henderson would have been in that camp, uh, but he came until he came over to the Padres uh, for the first time after being with you know only like three American League teams, but he was with the uh, A's on three different occasions and Yankees and Blue Jays. So, but yeah, there was Ricky and. So- uh,
0: yeah, this They're was – so Ricky would eventually play for the Mets, where turns, it turns – I was very disappointed to find out the story was not true.
1: John Olerud? Yes,
0: but it was one of the great – ones. whoever told it deserves deserves it to be true, and that was that he saw John Olerud taking ground balls with a batting helmet on, went over to him and said, hey, I played with a dude in Toronto who did that. And John goes, yeah, Ricky, it was me. And that was a great story, but then uh, John – Turns goes, out. John goes, that never – he goes, it's hilarious, out. but it never <laughs> happened. He goes, but it's sound. It's exactly something that would have happened to Ricky. There was a long time where Ricky only referred to himself as Ricky. It was never me or I. It was always Ricky.
1: Okay, he was Classic. the
0: inspiration for the I don't remember the Leon Sandcastle commercial. That's
1: that's Pusateri the 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 ad campaign. Or not Leon? The no, sorry,
0: not the Leon Sandcastle one. There's another Leon one. Do you remember the guy who? Uh, um. I should. I'll find the commercial and drop it in because I just love it. He's. It's a Bud Light commercial, I think, and it's just this arrogant wide receiver being um, interviewed after the game. As wide receiver, and they're talking to him about how many league. passes he dropped and how many times he fumbled, and you know, um, you know, it was like you know, um, I can't do it justice, but his line is um, Leon can't do everything. Nice. Yeah, that, was, oh, that was that was Ricky. Um, so Ricky, I don't, it would have been. Uh, i'm sure probably in his second oakland uh, i'm trying to think what year this was that we did this so um i played infield basically my whole um uh, little league and high school career but uh one year i had an accident i fell off my bike
1: <laughs> and, Huge I, Steve Trout, huh? and i
0: tore Yeah, well mine wasn't a stationary bike unlike steve's um <laughs> mine was rolling I got my bag stuck in the wheel, went over the handlebars, caught myself on the and Oof. cut up cut That's up my cut up my hands pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And so um I had to wear for the first couple of games I had this like basically open wound on my throwing hand. So they put me from third base they put me in left field. And uh they figured it'd be less action for me out there and um so I'm out in left field and before the game uh, actually, I, I think I spent two weeks in left field because lots, lots of fun stuff happened. The center fielder on our team is left-handed. And I, okay. I bat left-handed, but I'm right-handed. And um,
1: we... You bat left... So, so do I. You bat left-handed and you're right-handed?
0: I do.
1: Cool. Hey, good for you.
0: So, so we much. are uh, um, playing catch before the game, and we decided to, to swap gloves. So we're playing catch um, with the opposite hands in the outfield. Pretty good, I will say. Not you, Darvish. Good, but uh, pretty good. All right. Um... And uh, so then we gave the gloves back, and then while the coaches were hitting us balls, um, I was trying the Ricky Henderson snatch catch.
1: Well, he kind of swipes it like yes. this, right? you
0: catch it. You literally, as the ball is about head high, you sweep your hand in front of your face and snatch the ball.
1: For those of you that can't visualize, it's sort of like when you get the get the fuck yes. out of here, like the back of the hand, or my dad will do it if the Cubs ground to do a double play. So
0: I thought it was super fun, and our coach basically gave me the nice catch, Hayes. don't fucking do it again. I was, I don't know, 13, first fly ball to me in left field. I caught it that way. But I caught it. I also, this sounds uh, this also sounds made up, like a Ricky Henderson thing, I threw two guys out at home plate in the game. Wow. My, my debut it. my debut in left field. I had more fun. I never wanted to come back. I fucking, I hated third base in the first place. I didn't want to go back, and they made me go back. I went back. Check um,
1: out Dave Parker over We there.
0: also had a game where in the last inning, um, I may have played left field Left hand.
1: Wow. Yes. Look at you, a regular uh, Bill Lee or uh, Jimmy Pearsall out there.
0: My dad had noticed that. He would have kicked my ass. Sure. But I was ready. So. If the ball had come to me, I would have caught it with the wrong hand.
1: So I, I actually oh, he went scored the night. again. My, yeah, another drunken scorecard and all the way to the ninth inning. Uh, you can see, I don't know if you can see, Ricky Henderson was leading off. So I still have that in my collection because uh, I sure as hell would have had otherwise had a difficult time remembering. I do have a, a memory of, like, in the drunken afternoon, like, getting close to sunset uh, you know, sort of shadows where after Doug Jones had blown the opening game, that grace good old Mark Grace. So at this point was really sort of peak grace, I think for the Cubs, um, he had sort of restored the early promise of his, his career. He would go on to have a nice uh, season in 96. I'm fairly confident, uh, but he sent us home happy when he bounced one uh, into right field to drive home the winning run. Um
0: Okay, so uh, Ryan Sandberg's return seasons to the Cubs. He was 36 years old when he came back in 96. He'd only missed one year. He missed a year and a half. Uh, But he really didn't because uh, he didn't miss a full season, technically. Neither season was a 162-game season. because the 94 season ended early and the 95 season started late. Um, And we we talked about this when we did 93, right? 94,
1: Uh, Last, last one. Last oh, just two we weeks did. ago we did ninety four. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm still,
0: yep. uh, I'm, I'm still stuck in uh, Jerry Morales and still ninety three.
1: That's right. We we did the special edition yes. with Frank in nineteen seventy seven. I forgot. Yes.
0: So uh, <laughs> yeah, because so in ninety three he had been really good three hundred nine three fifty nine four twelve. I mean not really good, but good especially for a thirty three year old second baseman. That's right. And then he had, he had he had crashed to earth in ninety four. He came back. So in ninety six he hit uh, he hit two forty four. 300 and, 316 on base and 444 yep. slugs. So only the slug is acceptable of the three. Yep. That's still not that great. But 25 homers. He drove in 92 RBIs. That's RBIs are okay. a function of the guys in front of you. Then. The
1: team. It was a decent offense, I think.
0: And then in 97, that was a fun year. He His, um, average, his
1: average went up. But... Yeah,
0: he hit, he hit 20 points better, but he was worse. He hit 264, yeah. but he, his on base dropped to 308 and his slugging dropped to 403. He hit 12 homers, drove in 64, and... Um, that's the year he should have quit early but he didn't he stuck around for the whole thing. <laughs> well, you know what poor Rhino,
1: though I mean his last two seasons were 94 and 97. We've covered both seasons kids if uh, yeah, you do feel if you, you do feel if bad for a him a, because
0: <laughs> part we'll of why he came from. back was the 95 Cubs had inexplicably contended. Yes.
1: And, the, and he wrote about that in that biography yeah. I referred to with the Reese that he he showed up in the bleachers is probably he probably almost Cracked a smile for the first time, but like he just he wrote about sitting with the fans and Jordan had come back and like the Cubs were like miraculously in a pennant know, in a playoff chase down the stretch. And that kind of hey, maybe I do have one more. Maybe this team's not so this these shit bags that I walked away from yeah. 14 months ago. I, I wasn't going to deal with it anymore. Dealt with it enough in and out in the 80s. And hey, they might be well positioned for me, uh, but yeah, yeah, so he comes he comes back sort it. of. Under the,
0: the ninety-five Cubs had gone for it and had traded for superstar Todd Zeal.
1: That's right. I was at Zeal's first game, by the way. Is we'll that talk about I, it I should 95. know
0: this? Is that the last Cub Cardinal trade? Have they traded oh, with I'm each sure other they since have. then? I don't know. Are you they joking? Have.
1: Are you? Is this one of those ones where I'm missing an obvious one? No,
0: I don't. They don't. Have they not with each made other?
1: a trade? I don't know offhand, but I can't, I can't imagine that's true. That'd be incredible.
0: I mean, it's not every day you can fleece Mike Jorgensen. I don't remember like that guy was. But...
1: Is that... So I was going through my score. Um, I don't know if we want to – we can always come back to Sanford. But one other thing I... – I don't have a scorecard for us, but I went to a game in early May. Pull this one up because it was great. Um, First Friday in May, Dallas Green was the manager of the Mets. Took another day off of work. Uh, I convinced Oleg to take a day off work. Got my dad, who's already retired, to come down. Three of us sat in the bleachers. And we watched Navarro totally out, you know, totally duel. It was a great pitcher's duel. Back in 96, it was probably would have been a barely two-hour game. Uh, who was it, Paul Wilson? I get Paul Wilson and Paul Gibson. Uh, it conf- it's the guy that Farnsworth, seven years later, would body slam uh, Paul in Cincinnati.
0: He was, yeah. one, of, was uh, one of generation three. one of generation Mets.
1: The big three, Jason Isringhausen, right, and uh, and shit, uh, th- 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 Bill Pulsifer, yeah, right? Bill Pulsifer. They were the big three. Yeah. Um, the other two had decent careers. Wilson, not quite so much. In this particular game, Wilson completely had the Cubs handcuffed.
0: Wilson was the best one.
1: He was. But really? He,
0: but he was always hurt, and so he never – Okay. He had the least productive career, but he was the most talented of the three.
1: Um, in that, so we mentioned in 94 – i kind of discovered I did, This wasn't one of those things that I'd sort of hardwired into my brain that what a uniquely fine season Sammy Sosa had in 94. And you might not have caught it cause he was streaky and he, you know, sometimes played for himself and knew it. He batted three, he landed on 300 and, he had, a very, he had another season in 96 that probably proved that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, we'll get to the point where on September 1st, I said last time August 1st, but it was September 1st when he got hit on the wrist by Mark Hutton of Florida, but he had 40 homers at that point. 96 to me was really the season that Sosa started to really turn the corner uh, to be a really good all-around hitter and not just a boom-bust guy. Um, but what's funny is that in early May he still kind of was that streaky ball player. And he was coming into this game. He was like, zero for 15 or something like that. Uh, we go, Friday afternoon, uh, unusually warm day or nice warm day in, in May. It's not always a promise, especially the first weekend in May that it'll be a uh, temper- you know, nice weather. Um, games going by pretty snappy. I don't remember if it was two to one or one to nothing. Like I said, it was the first Friday in May. In the ninth, um, Brian McCray, in his second year with the Cubs, and he was still pretty, you know, helpful uh, before he really bottomed out in '97. He got on base, and then he got a double, removed a second at some point, and it was a. Uh, I think the Cubs were only up by one, and Dallas Green, God bless Dallas Green, but poor guy was kind of at this point just riding it out, managing the Mets. Uh, he's like in his, like his, third or fourth season. He made the decision to put Grace on base, which I believe was the winning run. To face Sosa, who had been like 0 for his last 18. Sammy was struggling, and at this point in his career he was still sort of a, you know, he didn't really, you know, he was streaky. He he, he had produced where, you know, he's going to be a long-time player, but how great will he be? And he proceeded to deposit Wilson through a complete game. The last pitch of the game he throws, and Sosa just, you know, we were in right field. It was just, you know, euphoria. Sosa got a hold of it, broke the O for 18 streak, delivers a lead-changing walk-off homer. We're jubilant. It was fantastic. You know, go to the Crown Lounge on Southport afterward, have her, you know, celebrating it. Two days later, in a tie game, in the ninth inning, in the bottom of the ninth, Sosa comes up and hits another walk off home. Not a lead changing, but a tie breaking walk off homer. And this ball Flew on a fly into the first floor window in a in a yellow brick building yeah. on Waveland Avenue and shattered the window. Some engineer from Europe was living in that building at the time. He was interviewed. Uh, it was just it was just incredible. And I was living two blocks away down in Southport. I only been living there three months. It's May third. I've already been to like seven Cubs games. Um, but it was, you know, me. It was just it was exciting. It was you know this was a team that was over five hundred and really it was sort of like the emergence of of say like. I think at that point, he probably still earned the reputation of maybe being a guy that put up numbers when it didn't matter. And although that's always probably a bullshit thing because over the course of it, it's not true. So it's proved It's far from fucking true by the end of his career because the guy had so many huge hits and huge home runs. Um,
0: ask ask had, Ugeth Urbina.
1: You. Fucking A, right? And it got in that and that, that stage. So uh, I don't recall him doing a bunch of that, though. And I, there was probably some Mary- he could compile the stats. Part of the reason he became a thirty thirty guy and happened to draw criticism from Ron Santa was getting caught stealing in September in games in '93, when he was clear he was trying to get thirty thirty, which you know it rubs teammates and stuff the wrong way. But you can do what he did that weekend. You know, it felt like Sosa had really started to arrive. Like he he kind of stopped laying off like breaking shit in the dirt that Sean, our friend Sean Dunstan never learned to. Uh, by 92 years later, he was actually hitting homers off of guys like Maddox and stuff. So, um, a fun you know, a fun season in general. As we go through it, probably Sammy's name is going to come up again. But that weekend in May, it just felt uh, like he had really sort of arrived and he was really, you know, uh, really kind of taking it to that next level.
0: Okay, so um, the Cubs have made not one but two trades with the Cardinals since. Since the great uh, trade, it was Todd Zeal and Cash.
1: Let me guess. To the Cubs. No, I'm not, not going to guess. I'm not going to guess.
0: Francisco Morales, Paul Torres, and Mike Morgan.
1: And Mike Morgan.
0: That was, their, okay. that was the first trade the teams had made since December 9, 1980. You know Ken that Re- your
1: buddy Ken Reitz, the yes. Bruce Suter trade. Yes. And, Lee, and Leon Durham.
0: Leon Durham came and over? Ken Reitz, I, I the around. Cardinals sent. Uh, or the Cardinals sent Ty Waller to complete okay. to complete the trade.
1: Ty Waller so was there. the opening opening day center fielder in 1982, my friend.
0: Uh, the trade before that that they made was just a year before, and it was Mike Tyson for Donnie Moore. The white Mike Tyson, Donnie. Okay. All right. But wow. The two cents so wait, so are huge. Between
1: 1980, and 90, they didn't make a trade for nope, 15, for 15 years. years, and then and of course. 15 from today is of course now what 26 years ago yes. and they've only made two in that time
0: they have not I'd, traded with the cardinals I'd, since the fourth of july 2007
1: it hadn't occurred to me that this was a thing fourth of july 2007 why would they trade with each other they were both in contention in it's august
0: huge, it was a huge deal it's it's it, it's the deal that the cardinals regret it to this day because it swung the division towards the cubs they traded john nelson to the Cubs as part of a conditional deal. I don't know. Oh. Sounds like sounds like John uh, ran out of uh, options and uh, ended up on the Cubs. The trade before that, though, is one um, What's that the year? ended up helping... I th- well, did he pitch all right for the Cardinals? I think he did. Uh, August twenty fifth, 2002, the Cubs, hopelessly out of it, traded the troll, Jeff Vissero, to the Cardinals for Jared Blasdell and Jason... Carnuth, which both sound made up. Yep. So not a lot of not a lot of trades between the two, and I. It's going to be a long fucking time before those two make another trade.
1: That's a. I never. It never occurred to me that they don't. They don't trade. Is
0: that just a Cubs Cardinals thing? The Cubs not trade with the Reds. Well, you tend to not trade with. That's true. Teams in your division, if you're both. Right. Contending, and, unlike
1: the Pirates, who want to give you Randall Simon and, <laughs> and ramos Ramirez in separate trades.
0: Yes. In fact, I'm sure okay. Alex. Okay. I'm sure everyone in the division will be call, are already calling the pirates for their two useful players. I don't even know uh, Adam Fraser and there's got to be somebody yeah, Fraser's Frazier, one for um, sure. So doing that, okay. So another Mark Grace. I had to look this up. He hit three thirty one. Yeah. Um,
1: there's Pete Grace in '96. <laughs> so what, what do, do you want to go glove?
0: Where Sorry. Uh, Where do you think in the batting title race in the National League? In 1996, where do you think 331 landed?
1: John? Uh, well, 96 was the Ken Caminiti rookie of the year or not rookie MVP season. Uh, was it 331? Was it was it worse than fifth?
0: It was fifth,
1: it was fifth. Wow.
0: Uh, Tony Gwen won the batting title, no, you know, no shock there. 353. Yep, Ellis Burks playing for the Rockies, so with a big asterisk, 344. Mike Piazza hit 336, and future Cub. This one will, will literally shock you. Howard Johnson hit 333.
1: After he was with the Cubs, I would never have guessed that. I felt like he was like washed up when he was with the Cubs. It was 95. He'd already had his long career. He had a 30-30 season along with Strawberry in the Mets. Wait a minute, who the
0: was that it, can't be right? Was it? It can't it wasn't Lance? No, who Johnson was it? Oh, God,
1: 1996? There's no way it's Howard Johnson. No fucking way. He was on his last leg with the Cubs. All right,
0: well, it was like this, up now. this is why it's remember months. this crap, not research this crap.
1: Correct, but we do research within it just to set the record straight.
0: Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. It was one dog. It was Lance. Wow. Fourth in the National Boy, in I, thought, I didn't think of that at all. With he, who? With the Mets. He hit... Oh, because the, he was traded to the traded, Cubs
1: like, in September of the following year. Yes.
0: I didn't know I blocked that out. So yeah, Lance Johnson. That's incredible. In in not I mean, I guess he qualified for the batting title. He batted six hundred and eighty-two times.
1: Wow. Two hundred
0: and twenty seven hits. Wow. What he had Three thirty three, three sixty two, four seventy nine. Good that's a huge year. Good lord. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking I I don't know what I was spamming I was like Johnson. Well, you nuts. saw Johnson. He's no, no, no. Yeah,
1: Ho-Ho kind of was nice. done by the early 90s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, of course he played for the Mets. Who knew that, that was who? the blockbuster post-mystifying like post yeah, wavered The greatest, the greatest deadline, post-waiver
0: you know. trade of all time, the, the trade that hurt both teams. And...
1: But you know what, Andy? In 1996, Brian McRae was still useful. I don't have any stories from Brian McRae in 1996, but I'm just going to point out that he did something unusual. He was a switch hitter. Uh, but when he batted against Tom Glavin, who was a left-hander, McCray batted left-handed. Yeah, and that was six very six smart,
0: seconds. because Glavin struggled against lefties, because he wouldn't throw his change-up to him. You eliminated Glavin's changeup if you batted left-handed. So, it made perfect sense. Smart. He was still smart, good, smart. so it didn't really help that much, but it certainly didn't hurt your chances. That and the fact that, you know, the, you know, Glavin and Maddox got to... Their strike zone, their, their plate was you know, twenty eight inches wide or whatever. Uh, yeah, not that I yeah. complained when Greggy was a Cub, that was fine.
1: Well, yeah, depending on how much it may have been a thing, that that's something that probably deserves a deeper analysis somewhere. Wow. And also, and also how it bit them in the ass against Levon Hernandez,
0: coming off of a weekend in which uh, the Cubs thoroughly outclassed the Cardinals, and yet Yachty repeatedly stole strikes way off of both sides of the plate. It's just it's by amazing. Framing? Yes. Umps are just like, oh, that's gotta be a strike. I like, no, he's been doing it for 18 years. You know, that's not a fucking strike. Stop. It. Maybe
1: that, maybe that's the, that might be the only argument to put him in the hall of fame is that he managed to trick. Umpires. He's a blatant
0: <laughs> cheater. <laughs> Screw him.
1: Uh, who, who would have been the Cubs catchers in 1996, right? We still, um, we had dealt rich Rick Wilkins. or oh, Scott service.
0: Scotty service was the catcher.
1: Well, yeah, who had a huge uh, lead-changing uh, game-winning home run early in the season in Coors Field? I re- recall that one of the few Scott Service moments I remember. The other being uh, driving in um, uh, a run in the NLCS against the Braves in '98, which would have been the game winner had Javi Lopez not homered off of Kevin Tapney. I don't know. This, I don't because
0: I don't Scott Scott know what Service year. I, I remember this happened. I just don't know. I have no idea what year. Do you remember the play where Scott Service was involved in a collision at home plate? Tagged the run, hung onto the ball, tagged the runner out, threw down a second, and and got and got another got a runner trying to advance because he was it looked like he had died behind home plate.
1: Like a post concussed, immediately post concussed, Scott separated his throwing manager.
0: shoulder. He threw a guy out at second base with a separated shoulder.
1: It, well, if he did it at all, nobody it been...
0: nobody ever doubted how tough Scott Service was. Might not have been that good, but he certainly was tough.
1: No, he wasn't. He was like a typical catcher. Uh, you know, is he still, is he still the manager uh, of the, I mean, I wish him well only because he was on the 98 Cubs and as awful as he was as an offensive player, but not that much more awful than a standard catcher. He did, like I said, have an RBI single, an unlikely RBI single in a playoff game that happened. He couldn't hold up uh,
0: or, I keep, bel- know, yes. yes, I, I believe Scotty's still, the Mariners are terrible, but it's kind of halfway by design. I believe he's, he, he's, he's okay. going to hang on to that job for a little while. Uh, 1996 Cub infield. Is this the, is it the best cup infield of all time? Mark Grace, well, Ryan Sandberg, Ray Sanchez, Ray Sanchez, and Leo Gomez. It's up there. I
1: mean, it is. Leo, I mean, Leo
0: Gomez. I know you mentioned it before, but I know I he know. looked like I was, he looked like a Leo Gomez.
1: I don't even know what he looked like. I just remember I was tired of Steve Buschel for some I mean, you know, fine. You gave us a third baseman for more than two seasons, and he wasn't awful. And I, it's not that I hate mullets. But, I, you know, can we spice it up? And somehow I convinced myself uh, going into the season that Leo Gomez coming over from Baltimore was the piece they needed. Um, and so I cheered whenever he would get more playing time over Bouchard. They kind of split the duties that year. And I'm looking at it now. Actually, Leo was pretty much the everyday third baseman. I don't know. Yeah, 124 games. They, right, right. But a time OPS. He
0: played more games and than he, Sammy did because Sammy – Sammy broke his Sammy hand.
1: broke his wrist. And he never played again after that season. which well, he went out know, on Leo Gomez great. went out on top. Raises some eyebrows. The only Leo Gomez memory I have, and I don't even think it would be worth trying to find, was um, I believe he drew a bases-loaded walk, uh, a walk-off walk in a game at Wrigley. Oh, okay. Harry was going crazy. We still had Harry in 96, by the way, but it was really – you know, it was
0: his penultimate season. Yeah, it was getting it was getting rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh the only the guy who shared uh third base with Leo Gomez uh, former Met. Um who's Wait, was Luke, Michelle
1: totally gone?
0: Was Lupinella's totally nephew? Is that Is that what oh. his uh, cousin? He's Lupinella's cousin. Longtime batting coach, Dave Magadin.
1: Oh yeah, right. Which you know, if you're from Chicago, you're like, wait, why is it not Madigan? Cause there's like, I know, because there's like, I'm only saying it because there's Mike Madigan, Speaker of the House. There's Charles, right? I know, but like, how did those Irish people? How... It must have been the same name. Like, where did they... whoever heard of Madigan or Magadan before? And um, by the way, it's I an, apologize. Probably an Ellis Island thing. I somehow thought the Cubs held on to Bouchelle going into '96. They cut him loose, thank God, coming in. So you're right. The third, the hot. The hot corner was being manned by uh, the the Leo Gomez Dave Magadan um, combo, and how can you how can you go wrong when you got? You know, Magadan was like a singles hitting contact hitting left handed pitch hitter guy for the Mets in the eighties, right? He may have been on their '86 team. I always didn't like him because he was a Met early on. No, he was not on the '86 team, but he played a little bit more later on.
0: So, so these '96 Cubs, they weren't just a bunch of pretty faces. There were there were. Uh the pipeline that jim henry had been building jim henry dave wilder and um uh, was henry
1: part of the uh oh yeah he's a scouting director yes. in 96
0: his pipeline of talent was was oozing talent uh immortal cubs uh, scott bullet Ozzy timmons and robin jennings all played brant brown made his big league debut mike Hubbard, uh caught uh, uh 17 the- games behind the plate and, um, well, Brian Dorsett was the 35-year-old.
1: The only thing I'm going to say in defense of, and I can't believe I'm going to defend Andy McPhail and Ed Lynch for anything. First of all, I'm going to assume that they, they must have brought Jim Henry in. But um, just because I do this every week. Did he come from the Marlins? Yes. So they may have hired him. I do this every week, just sort of try to provide this sort of historical context to indicate what was going on at the time. Uh, you know, with the franchise and we've had met several of these seasons, which I always characterize with this mediocrity by design, this second phase of Tribune ownership that began in 92 and lasted all the way until they sold the team to, uh, uh, you, you know, to, to Sam Zell that uh, they were already on. Their second regime because Larry Himes was sort of what ushered in this, but he only, Larry Himes only lasted three seasons. 94 was so bad they had to get rid of him. So I will say, in, in defense of these clowns who proved to be clowns in subsequent years, the whole, you know, McPhail, Lynch, Henry, what, whatever you want to call them, this was only their second season, all right? Their second draft. So some of these guys you name weren't necessarily guys that they drafted. Yeah, they're
0: not real Henry guys.
1: Not real Henry guys, not real Lynch, you know, McPhail. I mean, the first draft was 95 where they got Wood. The 96, but, you know, it didn't speak much more highly of them. When they, I know that in the amateur draft, their first pick was Todd Noel, who even though they managed to trade, get Felix Heredia Felix for Heredia, him, you know, some the, other parts. The, never the, made it got, to the.
0: They got the run fairy for him. That's never a, made it, never that's made it so to bad. the majors. So what do you think Jim Henry's so, job was before he came to the Cubs in 1995?
1: Was it the Creighton
0: Blue Jays manager? I
1: mean, picture
0: Jim Henry just wearing the baseball uniform well he was a manager he was a 38 uh, year old strapping manager uh, in the New York Penn League at Elmira
1: oh Elmira the the minor league team from which I want to say uh famed uh, umpire novel or umpire writer chronicler Ron Luciano uh, who had a lot of famous run-ins with Earl Weaver uh, apparently once threw out of both games of a doubleheader in Elmira.
0: Let's see so. who he managed. Uh, what notable players he managed on the 1994 Elmira Pioneers? They went 30 and 43.
1: You got to tell me uh, who they are a subsidiary of if I'm going to make an educated guess, Andy. The 1994
0: Florida, Elmira Fl- Florida Marlins. Oh.
1: Okay, but they would have been below the, the Appleton Foxes, who in that very season I saw Alex Rodriguez play yeah, for so them. Yeah, the New
0: York Penn League is a is short season, so it's younger guys. Uh, so it's not see. even
1: it's not even a real – Jesus.
0: No, they only plays uh, with Char- 73
1: games. Johnson was probably already on his way through. It, it would have been like Ryan Dempster, was he on that fucking team? Would have been guys that started emerging with he the Marlins like
0: in There were see. four big leaguers, four future big leaguers on the team, none of whom were any good. So he didn't have a lot of talent to work with. One of them was famous, though, because he had given up a, uh, a college football scholarship to play quarterback. Josh Booty? Josh Booty. But he only played yep. four games for Elmira. Uh, but he, hit, was, uh, yeah. he had a double. Ryan Jackson, this. does he do anything for you? No, no, no He hit 290 no. for them. John Roscos. Nope. Hit nope, 279, nope. and one pitcher, Rob Stanifer. Nope. a uh, baby. So not a lot of. Uh, so before Booty Booty
1: Booty went to LSU to cash in on that scholarship after he had exhausted his opportunity yes. to play in baseball because I saw him not at the game where I saw Alex Rodriguez, but I went to another game in King County that summer of 94. And I know I, I don't have the scorecard, but I know this happened. I had no, I wouldn't have known Josh booty from Adam. So how else would I remember this other than the guy's last name was booty, but he went over four and had four strikeouts. Right, so, so it wasn't a shock this year.
0: the year before that was uh, Jim's other uh, professional baseball uh team. He managed the, uh, the Gulf Coast League Marlins—that's uh, a rookie league team—and this team did have guys you've heard of. Uh, well, it would have
1: had Arod probably after he got drafted. No, did he have Arod?
0: Arod? No, these are the Marlins.
1: But it's a Marlins affiliate. I'm sorry, 93. You're talking about
0: 1993, no. Yeah, not Alex Rod- not Alex Rodriguez, not the Mariners, the Marlins. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, my bad. There All are right. uh, one, two. Three, four future Cubs on this team. So, and he traded for them all. Brett barbary actually Chuck Carr, not a future Cub, but Chucky Carr. You remember Chucky e Carr? I remember Chuck Carr. Future Cub, Todd Din, Dun, or, Dunwoody. It, Todd Dunwoody and yep. pitchers. Oh, a couple of greats: Felix Heredia and Will canane I remember Will Kane. Yeah, Will Kinane Wow. Looked. Will, as much as I make fun of Yadi for looking like the uh, the the banjo playing kid from Deliverance, and yeah, rest in peace Ned Beatty. Will Kane re- actually look like the kid? One of the creepiest looking big leaguers ever. Take my word for it. Who- folks at home, pull over the car I, 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 and Google. I'm going to Will Kane. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. Yes.
1: I, did he not? He pitched for the Cubs, right?
0: Or he did. Am I? Yeah. Something. I don't is, even remember what it's he looks the, like. It's like the droopy eyes. There's just something. There's something wrong. One of his Padres uh, pictures is just—it's disturbing.
1: Oh, it kind of looks like Martin Short doing that SNL <laughs> character where they're in the synchronized swimming, and he's like, "I can't. That's right. I I'm can't not, swim.
0: I'm not a. I'm not a strong swimmer. Got the life vest on."
1: He does that Padres picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah Wilkene. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to leave it. So at that, that
0: informs a lot of of Jim's moves. I, I, had, no
1: I, I had no idea. I had no so, idea. Kissimmee. So,
0: so somehow
1: Andy McPhail and Ed Lynch plucked Jim Hendry from the field. He was just a field manager, right, for these snot-nosed 20-year-olds? Yeah,
0: I would guess, though, if you're managing, like, rookie league and, and like, short season, you're basically in player development, even though you're
1: a manager. That's right. You're not really a manager. That's right. Okay. Okay. And so he was the farm director, but he definitely came in. Um, well, yeah, came in with the McPhail regime, obviously. I'm assuming. Was he the farm director in 95 then? He – I'm looking myself you know, so I can answer that question. up. No, it was still it was still our guy Al Goldis. Oh yeah, it
0: didn't happen until after. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, that was so basically, yeah. Goldis was the old regime, mm-hmm. so Henry was their scouting director. Yeah. That was their guy that would yield you know such notables as I don't know. I mean. John, I mean, John Garland was not a draft bag, bad draft pick. We've talked. Corey Patterson was not a bad draft pick. It was how they developed him that was the problem. Uh, ben Christensen may have been a bad draft pick. So you got to wear that. Great
0: role. value though. Incredible value. You're never going to get a guy that. I wonder if he, you think he would have drafted the child molester from uh, Oregon State if he was still around. I, I know the kid. Oh got, God! I know the yeah, kid's he, got some baggage, but. Whew, he, <laughs> You should see the way you throw a curveball. Like, ah, uh, no, we're not. Uh, sorry, Jim, we're not doing that. Yeah. Jim Henry, in the brief interactions I've had with him in my life, um, is just a super cool guy. You know, I know. You really wish it's, he had won. They had won a World Series there. I agree. When he, was, when he was there, he was. He's he he a, he's a time, baseball uh, a baseball guy.
1: Yeah, he spent some time at one of the shitty okays, and we were all, you know, pretty plowed, uh, but still upright. It, that was one of my
0: sh- one of my favorite nights because I uh, I got I told Crane Kennedy to go fuck himself.
1: That's right, and that was uh, that was a, I was ahead of the game
0: too. I knew to tell Crane to go fuck himself a long time before most people knew to tell Crane to go fuck
1: himself. That's true. But, of course, it was still about an hour or two after uh, our late, great uh, friend Jim Flannery, um, rest in peace, uh, gave, as a season ticket holder, gave Crane quite an airful. Yes, he Um, did. It must have made them regret uh, walking into (laughs) the, the bar that night. Yep. Then, did you have the toby ricketts uh, cuz i think that was the convention right after the ricketts had purchased the cubs so they uh, it, 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 to me in my memory is one of the last ones where we hung out at, yeah that's, that, that
0: timing works it had to be they, uh, it was it, if it wasn't it had are, to be the one before you, they bought
1: it are you or jeremy i think uh may have had the, <laughs> Toby Rick or somebody pretended somebody yeah a make believe brother I think you had the Todd Ricketts or something I don't know we were just we were up to no good but yeah Henry still deigned to like put in some genuine times with sincerity and uh, yeah he always he always struck me as a good guy you you put it on the head I mean you really wanted him to do well he was not a fucking asshole he just just didn't do it
0: well I mean he built he built a team good enough to win the World Series and they just didn't do it
1: which happens because you know there's only one winner at the end of the year so you know that's got to go right as we've learned yes um yeah i i just had a random name pop into my head on the 96 cubs do you remember and i'm not even looking at the roster yet i will in a minute but do you remember terry Schumpert? of course I was at another Every Padres was game. Terry I was at another pot, the Padres because this is back when the AL Nos the teams would come to town twice, and I happened, of course, like I said, I was any of my free time I was was being spent at Wrigley, so I was in the bleachers again for a Padres series was later in the year, and our good friend Terry Shumpert hit a walk off homer. I think it was on a Thursday night because Ricky, I was heckling Ricky pretty good uh, that game as well. My um, Terry had a couple big homers, but just you know, just a
0: little, Terry <laughs> just, is a guy who had he played for a long time and had one inexplicably good year. He played and I mean it had a lot to do with where it was. He played 14 seasons and out of nowhere. Did it really? Yeah, and out of nowhere in 1999 playing he was playing part-time. He's basically played half the games. He hit 347 for the Rockies. 10 homers, 37 RBIs. Oh, wow. He never hit high well he hit 289 a couple years later. But he was, okay. he was a career 252 hitter who hit 347 one season. So,
1: wow! Yeah, I'm looking at his line now. Very uh, undistinguished career, but the fact that he played 14 seasons is not a thing that oh, I would have guessed. Just
0: imagine Bob Nightingale would have loved to have tweeted out the day he got his 10 years of service.
1: Oh, is that a, is see that a, weird is that a thing?
0: It's when they guys yeah. qualify for their pension, and so the players' association makes a big deal out of it. And Nightingale always tweets that out. Hey, congratulations to whoever. It's like, no, Bob, no, none of the fans give a shit. I mean, the guy's wife cares. He cares. Nobody else cares. Knock it off. Boob. Yeah,
1: weirdo. You know, it just occurred to me, you know, who would probably love this podcast the last few weeks would be uh, Steve Traxel because we talked about the last, uh, well, I'm not including 1970. Was this one of his
0: every other years? Let's see.
1: Right. Because it the was. last episode we did, uh, Frank Nova not included, was his rookie year in '94, and he was good. He was the mythical bullshit, sporting news National League rookie right. pitcher of the year, uh, and then he sucked in '95 and then '96. I think it was just the Steve Trax was one All Star season, right? Um, or maybe that was later. Maybe that was '98 because '98 was good too. This was, a, th-
0: this was an undeniably good season for uh, it was. It was his one All Star season. He was thirteen and nine with a three hundred three ERA. 181 hits in 205 innings. Yeah, it was good. Let's see what he was at the All Star break. Maybe that's. Uh, maybe he was. He was. Maybe even, he was 12 and one at the All Star break and went one and eight after. I don't know. He probably didn't. Right. Lose, but
1: right. But even then, like you know, Navarro was pretty much the eighth. They didn't. They actually had like a really competent rotation.
0: Honestly, you on this current Cub team, you would take the '96 Cub rotation and
1: plunk. It at down least there. the top and two, you,
0: and you'd be better. Than what I, you
1: are, I am looking at the roster now. There is a drop off. First of all, Frank Castillo, moment of silence. Um, he really started dropping off in '96. I, I shouldn't look at one loss, but his ERA was 5.28. Yeah, so negative. Frank, we covered the '92 Cubs, where young Frank Trevor was Williams. a very for, he was a very formidable number three behind Maddox and uh, Mike Morgan on as a untested rookie uh, showed his metal. So I think we had high hopes, but by 96, the bloom was off the rose, and he was traded uh, shortly after winning that car from Brian McRae the next season. And then you had Bullinger, and then well, here's a name. I'm sure you've seen it, but uh, who, who can ever forget Amore Telemaco? Oh, I
0: loved Amore Telemaco, future Phil.
1: Yes. Uh, he made his debut, I think, that year. And then Kevin Foster, who I was always partial to. I think that was the year in which he uh, he was nursing a two-run lead against the Giants in an afternoon game in San Fran and uh, surrendered a lead-changing uh, go-ahead homer, three-run homer off of Barry Bonds. Hmm. Wasn't meant to be. Um, so, yeah, top two, Navarro and Traxel. Who are the Cubs' top two? Hendricks uh I mean, is it It's Davies Adbert, now? When he's, Adbert when he's healthy, yes. he's Davies okay. when he's
0: not. Yeah. Um okay it's so a, uh, it's a
1: comparable rotation. Yeah, Steve That's Traxel he made, he,
0: if he he made the All Star game on the uh strength of his first half ERA. Um he was seven and five with a two point one four ERA in sixteen starts. He'd thrown two shutouts. Second half he was six and four, but his ERA ballooned to four oh five. Not bad. So yeah, good it was a good year. Three oh three ERA for the season. That's pretty good.
1: Due for our regression, so yeah, that's what made Traxel so, so frustrating because he was, a, you know, he had stuff. I mean, you know, that and, of course, you know, his up and down seasons and his ability to, you know, turn a two hour game into a, you know, yeah, Godfather yeah. marathon. Yeah,
0: look at here. You would not take the 96 rotation. That was. Just the top two, though. Yeah, not that uh, Castillo, Bullinger, Telemaco, and Foster.
1: No. I'll always and I've mentioned it before, but I'll always remember Jaime Navarro fondly for putting two of his best seasons together for the Cubs before absolutely shitting the Cubs while stealing Uncle Jerry's money. Uh, at, based upon what he did for the Cubs, that's what he. That's how he earned that money. Resurrected his career. You know, after showing an early flash in Milwaukee and then bottoming out and getting an opportunity at the Cubs to show what he had, he had two really good seasons for us. He was the opening day starter, and he pretty much lived up to it all year for a you know a slight I would say the ninety six cubs were they were they were mediocre they may have been. Very, very slightly above mediocre. I mean, you look at the lineup. I mean, there was, you know, Grace, Sandberg was washed up. Grace and Sosa. Jaime had
0: Heime had an interesting career, given that a guy from Bayamon, Puerto Rico, played his entire career for in Milwaukee, Chicago, and then <laughs> seven games in Cleveland. <laughs> Like Jaime, there's teams in in cities where the sun actually shines. Go back.
1: You should hear you should hear Jaime's Midwestern
0: impression. Now that, so he's, he's got that. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of black ink on uh, Jaime's stat sheet, and uh none of it's really very good. Um so he led the, if you don't know what black ink means he led the league. He led the league in ninety eight um for the White Sox in losses with sixteen. He had lost fourteen the year before, he lost thirteen the year after that. I love it. Oof, yeah, love with the Sox, it. he was 25 and 43. He was basically he James is, Shields.
1: He remains the reason, or, or maybe Shields maybe uh, snapped the streak, but I feel like he was the reason that Uncle Jerry waddled downstairs to demand, whether it was Ron Schuler or like whatever, whomever, Kenny Williams, to not give free agent pitchers any long-term deal. I feel like it was Jaime Navarro's contract going all Dave Smith or Danny Jackson on the White Sox pretty much set their course. Until, of course, Shields, like you said, the Sox. No, the Sox traded for Shields. I'm sorry. It was the Padres that dabbled in and overbid on Shields and then quickly corrected it.
0: Yeah, and Uh, then got Fernando Tessis Jr. for their trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're pretty happy with that. I'm sorry. Who? Um, so uh, Jaime also led the league His last year with the Cubs He led the league in hits allowed 244 Follow that up by doing it again For the White Sox 267 He led the oh. league twice In earned runs allowed Once with the Brewers Oh with the Sox
1: Once with the Sox He led great. the league
0: uh, His first two seasons With the White Sox He led the league Both years in wild pitches oh, And so his great. last year with the Cubs He led the league In batters faced With a thousand and seven He was uh, 29 and 18 For the Cubs Yep. And the, for the rest of his career, then, he went um, 17, 25, and 49. Wow. God bless him. Included uh, would... his his immortal la- final season in which he made uh, 12 starts, five for the Brewers, seven for the Indians, and went 0-6 with a 10.53 three G R A.
1: If I... If I was a White Sox fan, I would, like, my eyes would twitch every time I heard <laughs> the mention of Jaime Navarro. Yeah. Talk about because
0: The Cubs literally squeezed every bit of yep. good baseball out of him and then let him move on for It was great.
1: And he, and he got paid. He got paid. So, you know, he got paid for the work he did. He was just really, uh, he was their best pitcher. And, you know, for a mediocre team, so it didn't go anywhere. But, you know, gave us uh, gave us a good effort. He was
0: fine for us. So do you know who led the uh, 96 Cubs in saves? It was not Uh, Doug Jones.
1: I'm going to say it was Turk. I think I mentioned that Wendell
0: assumed the role. I think it was Wendell, right? Yes, he he Uh, had 18 saves.
1: So around that time, this would be like the post-Randy Myers era. Uh, Myers' last season was 95, and so Doug Jones was their solution going in. And I think even then, I remember then, like, thinking – Bullshit. Doug was, Jones is like eighty six. He
0: was thirty nine uh, years old. And yeah. Like, all right. So right. And he like, thirty nine miles an hour. Oh, this is a great right. idea.
1: And it was. A, it wasn't like a Dave Smith free agent. Dave Smith broke the bank. It was a. It was because of the Dave Smith that Tribune was in this sort of shooting for the middleware. yeah, let's try to get this guy in the cheap. And so I remember thinking. And I probably bought into the hype because I think, you know, you're still kind of into the narrative. Boy, it'd be a lot of fun if this weird freak with the necklace, Turk Wendell, can actually be our closer. So I was kind of rooting for that. But also at the same time, around mid-95, a rare Jim Fry draft pick sort of, shot up it suddenly shut up to the farm system after so many years. It was Terry Adams. Yeah. And so this fireballer. It's like it's, he's blowing him away in Des Moines. And and Adams fared okay in ninety five. So I remember thinking like Wendell should be the guy short term, but Adams is gonna be the closer long term. Uh, it's not going to be Jones, and they gave up on that, unlike Don Zimmer. Once they realized Jones was fucking finished, I don't think he was even in that situation come May. Uh, and Wendell was, which is cool, but I remember just hoping, like grabbing the rosary beads for Terry Adams. Like, let that be the guy. He's got the arm. He's got to be our homegrown closer. And, you know, what? Terry Adams actually pitched for the Cubs longer than you might think, because I remember he was on the 98 team walking in runs and shit, but... Yeah. Um, he, he just never quite put it together. He did have a good arm, on. I, I so, swear to you.
0: So, Doug Jones had been a, a five-time All-Star. He would had in '94 with the Phillies. He had had a 2.17 ERA and 27 saves.
1: Wait, wait, hold on a sec. The
0: Phillies
1: in 1994 were defending National League Champions. Is it like are you telling me that after Mitch Williams gave up that homer to Joe Carter that they didn't even want to have him come back? Was that? Did they get rid of him after that? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, not to have you go down a rabbit hole, but I, that stuck out like a sore thumb to me. The 94 Phillies were defending National League pennant winners who happened to have a closer, which, you know, interesting to yeah, come Yeah, Mitch,
0: uh, Mitch Williams did not pitch for the 1994 Phillies.
1: They had to get rid of him because all those shitheads in Philadelphia Mostly were like just burned down show. his house. In the off season, oh, <laughs> chilling out, hung about to dry. Is was that right?
0: Well, Schilling, Remember in the playoffs, putting his head in the towel. Yeah, his yeah, right? Fucking head in the towel. Damn, yeah,
1: yeah. fucking dramatic, bitch.
0: Um. Yeah. So Doug had not been good though the year before with the Orioles. Is a strike uh, short? Okay. Yeah, maybe that's their second. Ah, it's a short season. He was 0 4 with a 501 ERA, 55 hits and in 46 innings. The Cubs are like, yeah, this will work. They brought him in. They it released worked. him on um, June 15th. He caught on with yeah. the Brewers.
1: And he did well after that. Twenty-four games. Right.
0: He was five and zero with a three forty-one ERA. But they didn't use him as a closer. He had one save. Okay. Um, and then, so he pitched. He was thirty-nine when the Cubs got him. He pitched one, two, three. He pitched four more seasons. He finished up at forty-three years old in Oakland. Uh, in the 2008s, he was four and two with a three ninety-three ERA and two saves in seventy-three wow. innings.
1: That's a Forrest Gump-like career. He mm-hmm. touched the early Billy Be- Billy Bean era. A's. He was kind of like a Rod Beck, right? He was a closer with a mustache that didn't throw that hard. I think that was his deal.
0: Yeah, he intentionally didn't throw it's hard. hard. Uh, Rod didn't throw hard because he couldn't anymore. But he was still his arm was still moving as fast as it was. Did, the ball just yeah. Was.
1: I I do kind of remember Beck being a little bit more of a fireballer for the '93 Giants. But um, but yeah, Jones, what a cheap ass solution at closer. But, like, what do you have here? It's almost like, you know, we talked earlier with, like, this year's Cubs um, before they kind of gelled in the last three or four weeks where they were a little bit top-heavy, where they got a lot of talent at the top and then no depth. It kind of feels like this team. I'm just looking at the roster. It's like you got Mark Grace and Sammy Sosa, Brian McRae, way pre-steroid Luis Gonzalez, you know, an old Ryan Sandberg. It really drops off. And then same with the pitchers Oh, Jaime Navarro was very effective Steve tracks up and coming and then it just drops like there's no there's no depth no there's some there's some good players which kind of fit that Tribune model right especially with Grace Grace was in his peak like I said at the beginning tonight in um, a really fine season he was probably he's 32. he's pretty much you know God knows you know how many you know, just what his nightlife was like at that point um but he was earning it all. But it was, uh, yeah, it was just an oddly constructed team.
0: Yeah, Grace had um, 181 hits, 39 doubles, only nine homers. Um, but it also only struck out 41 times in 616 plate appearances.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: 851
1: so, OPS for a guy that didn't hit a lot of homers.
0: The, uh, the, the primary backup catcher was Tyler Houston, would come over from the braves where he had been a a top prospect
1: first first round draft pick one of those drafts that we covered
0: in uh 46 games he hit 339 with a 382 on base average and a 452 slug and they're like this (laughs) like this guy's good and then they played him more next year and went no this guy's not (laughs) ah shit
1: Right. In answer to the meatballs, why didn't that Jim Riggleman put the, that, that Dallas-Houston in for Scott Service? That might have been me, actually, because Scott Service would sometimes frustrate me. Although, you know, a OPS is a lot higher than I would have thought for Scott Service in 1996. So, good good for him.
0: So, uh, did Tyler Houston ever play for the Astros? Uh I don't it's think so. Because he could have, he could have played for the name on the front and the back of his jersey, had he done that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, good call. So, yeah, and just scrolling through too, I think I would, uh, you would be remiss if we didn't mention that we did. um what, Dave
0: Schwarber? No, uh-huh.
1: close. It was a pitcher, the Rockford. Uh, yes, the pride of Rockford, East's very
0: own Rodney Myers. Well, Not to be confused told, with Randy Myers.
1: I'm going to tell the story again, because he was on the '97 Cubs too, but. He, his three-year, highly successful year with the Cubs. And then he goes on to free agency and, and almost pitches the Orioles into the World Series. And then the next year shows up, and there's another Myers. And I remember my brother asking me, there's Myers on the Cubs. But it's not – Randy Myers? No,
0: it's it's Rodney Myers. It's Rodney. <laughs>
1: Almost, and, but but you but you you explained the mystery to me because I would see like I, I thought I was hallucinating. I oh yeah, why thinking, there would
0: be fans in the stands? with Why Myers are there jerseys? people
1: wearing Rodney Myers number fifty nine jerseys? Yeah, he grew I had up no idea 55 that he was a Fifty five miles to the guy. north and the west.
0: Yes. That's why. He's, he's a Rockfordian. Yes, he had groupies, So, his right.
1: Well, but there, I would see it like, like I said, nineteen ninety six is like the summer that Huey's living. Was well, he good old 50, right number fifty nine? Yep. I 59. thought he was. I might be wrong, but I'm living right on Southport. I'm in the city. I'm I'm a man about town, Andy. I'm going to thirty Cubs games. I'm eating at Straganona. I'm whatever, and I'm seeing people in Rodney Myers jerseys, and I'm just going, "What the fuck?" But now, now it makes sense. Yeah, Rodney um, pitched
0: four seasons for the Cubs, and then uh, three for the Padres, and two for the Gi- two for the Dodgers.
1: Okay. Um yeah, he had, he had a good career. He didn't get the uh the the Boob not Nightingale pension though, but No, he came close,
0: know. 9 seasons. Oh shit. Um, I don't know how close he got. There. Those a couple of those are his last two seasons with the Dodgers, a uh, grand total of 5 appearances. So I I don't think his service time was as close to to top oh, right. as you might think. Um he did have No, I thought he had a good year with the Padres. He didn't really. He had 532 and a 591 HRs. His his uh his best season was 99 with the Cubs, 3-1 with a four hundred thirty eight ERA. Wow. In so he pitched with the Cubs in four
1: seasons. Or maybe,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, he, didn't I, pitch,
0: he only pitched 17 times in 97-98 combined. But he, had, he made 45 appearances in 96 and 46 in 99. So he spent a lot of time in the, in the minor leagues. Um, like a, like a lot of members of the '96, another Cubs. another former great Cub, uh, just by a name alone, Tanyan Sturts.
1: <laughs> so wasn't he a future White Sox? did he not finally make it to the show with the Sox? He, he, you're right. It was a unusual name that you would sort of like hold on to because you'd hear it like talked
0: about a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, he pitched parts of two seasons for the Sox, a grand total of eleven appearances. Uh, but he went no, to he went, he went to the Rays and pitched quite a bit for them um oh I see some black ink he made made 27 he made 60 starts for the 01 and 02 Rays yeah, and led the league in losses in 2002 it's 4-18 That led the oh he I mean that's a huge year he led the league in losses hits earned runs walks and that's I mean that's the triple crown right there right Hits, earned runs, and walks. He didn't it leave the league pretty... in the home runs allowed. But I'm sure if he'd get, he gave up 33, so it wasn't for wasn't for lack of trying.
1: That's incredible. It's he great. actually made quite a contribution to our great game, as Ron Coomer would call it, our game.
0: Good for Tanyan Sturts. wow. And he pitched for the uh, – he pitched three years for the Yankees, did not <laughs> win a World Series. But, uh, yeah, Tanyan Sturts good job by you. Tim. Yeah.
1: Thanks for your uh, your contribution. It looks like Brooks Kieschnick made his debut. You mentioned that earlier mm-hmm. maybe. Or you mentioned Robin Jennings. Ozzy Timmons. It was a mess. It was you know, it, it it went perfectly. It feels like according to the the folks at the at the Tribune boardroom. you know, it was not a bad team. Uh, there was, I mentioned it, if we're going to finish, I just want to reference this cause I know that this happened and I'm just going to find the game. I'm going to trouble everybody to f- look this up if they're so inclined, but this is a mediocre team. This is not a team that we would consider a contender. Like, you know, the, the real contenders, as soon as you hear them, 84, 89. 98, even 01, even though they didn't do it, that was a legit contender. 03, 04, even though you hated them, they were a legit contender. 07 and 08, made the playoffs, and that's pretty much it for the pre um, Epstein years. But there are other years where they were kind of alive. Even 90, at 95, I know they were technically not eliminated to the last, you know, second to last season, but I don't really consider that legitimately in it. And I don't consider the 96 Cubs legitimately in it, but it could have sort of happened. And when you're watching it, you're still holding out hope. So even this mediocre team that you pointed out—the monthly record—and they're plotting along a couple games over 500 in June, a couple games over 500 in July, in August, and they find themselves in September. And I just remember this: I'm in my—I'm in my apartment. You know, I'm in my within my first year of living in Chicago. I've had a hell of a summer. You know, I'm, you know, getting out to games and, and doing this and that. And, and everything's, you know, if only the Cubs can relive that magic from 1989. Because, again, at this point now, it's been seven years. It would, it would be a couple more till they would get there again. But they go into a, a game on Tuesday, September 17th. And I hate to do this because it's a fucking Cardinals game. But we just need to uh, – you know, encapsulate this season the right way, just to sort of put some punctuation on it. You got a Cubs team that heading into the game is 500 on the nose. So 74, uh, you know, 74 and 74, and going into the game, uh, uh, the Cardinals are 80 and 70. So it's, you know, not exactly, you know, the Cubs are a long shot. Like I said, they were not legitimately, uh, in in fact, going into this game, or, you know, at the end of this game, it turned out the Cubs will only be six games back. So going in, they're five out so whatever the math says you're alive you're five games out you got a three-game series in st louis i know it's a tall order but you sweep that series and all of a sudden you know we're, we're going nuts in a way that mike Royko might even approve because at that point we would have been three games over 500. so in this game on september 17th um, your starting pitchers are frank castillo who actually pitched a very good game in spite of a tough season and future Cub Donovan Osborne, who had a pretty good year for the Cardinals that year. Uh, Cardinals take a one nothing lead in the bottom of the fourth. Cubs tie it in the uh, in the top of the sixth, and the, the manner in which the Cubs tied it was our good friend Scott Service, who delivered a two-out single to right. So it's very tense, and I remember watching this game in my apartment. So what happens is the 1-1 game goes all the way to the top of the eighth. Okay, Again, Cubs are five games out coming in, first game of the series. Mark Grace... Leads off, um, gets a single left field. The aging Ryan Sandberg, who has really kind of struggled through this season, but he's you know he's over 20 home runs. Uh, steps up against future Cub Donovan Osborne and fucking launches a two-run homer in the top of the eighth. Cubs are up. Yeah. Cubs are and God bless Ryan Sandberg, son of a gun. He's, you know, done it again against the Cardinals, especially in a game that counts, two-run lead. So we go to the bottom of the eighth. Cubs are six outs away from a huge first game of the series. Former A Mike Gallego <laughs> gets a hit off of Frank Castillo. Castillo's still in the game. So, of course, it's a different time because there's no way the starting pitcher would still be in the game at this point. Future White Sox, Royce Clayton flies out, though, to right field. That's it. Riggleman comes out relieves Castro, gets in our friend Bob Patterson who had to put down somebody's glove that he was stitching. Uh, Patterson comes in. Here comes Ozzie Smith, another middle infield Hall of Famer. Okay, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Ozzie was a great defensive shortstop. Uh, and then Ozzie to answer Sandberg hits a triple down the right field line <laughs> to the top of the fucking game. Ray Langford hits a bat, another triple. Cardinals win. Cardinals end up getting another run. But it was just, I remember like watching it in real time. And it was, it wasn't cool because it was painful. Because I wanted one more than anything, I wanted the Cubs to win. But I was kind of able to appreciate, like, holy shit, here's Sandberg, who's kind of done. You know, at this point, the jury was in. His comeback was okay. He's going to come back again in '97. It would only get worse. Here's a huge home run, and that should have been, that would have been a great story. It would have been something. And then fucking Ozzy, credit where credit's due, son of a bitch, gets uh, the big hit. So two guys that eventually end up in the Hall of Fame, two middle infielders. At late in their careers. I don't even know how much longer Ozzy played, but uh, yeah, had huge plays in that game. That was it. So that was it, it. it was, yeah, probably one of the last big hits that hit fucker had. He didn't have that many to begin with because he got in the
0: hall. We know he didn't on. get any in the last three yeah. games of that NLCS that year. <laughs>
1: Oh, let's finish with that, Andy. Now that I just took us down, only I wanted to share that memory because it was poignant, even though it was painful. But let's just remember that uh, after that point, then the Cubs just fucking didn't care because that's when they lost, as you said, the 17 out of 19. This may have started it. So they they were within five games in the last three weeks, and then it didn't matter. And by the last weekend of the season, it was done. In the playoffs, the Cardinals break what, in our lifetime, I think was their longest streak of not having made the playoffs since they went to the series in 82 they 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 reached this newfangled division round against the padres in 96 having not been to the playoffs since uh uh losing the twins in the 87 world series they've been out for nine years they knock off the padres yeah it's
0: future they, cubs scott sanders
1: and the yes padres. that's right and then they we mentioned this before they go up 3-1 against the braves and end up losing the last three games i think I, i'm not even exaggerating i think it was a 29 to 3 or something like yeah, that it was great uh, and so it's safe to assume Ozzy ended his career just gently flailing at uh, garbage pitches by Glavin Smoltz and not garbage pitches, but pitches in the dirt. So now one guy we like didn't one
0: guy it. we didn't mention um, the left fielder of the 1986 Cubs, Luis Gonzalez, who had come over the year before in the uh, Rick Wilkins trade with Scotty Service. And had a solid year for the Cubs, 271, 354, 443. Uh, wasn't flashing a lot of power in those days. 15 homers, 79 RBIs. Um, yep. He went free agent after the 96 season, went back to Houston, which I didn't remember. Played one season there. I remember that. Spent a year in the uh, in the abyss in Detroit, yep. where he hit, for the first time in his career, he hit 20 homers.
1: In that short pour That was the, one of the
0: last, second to last year at Old Tiger Stadium. Okay. Then he went to Arizona, and I... I I don't know if it was uh, if he got into Pilates or maybe just maybe free weights. I don't know. But uh, he had 26 homers, 111 RBIs, uh, career highs in both. The next year, 31 homers and 114 RBIs. And then in 2001, when the uh, Diamondbacks won the World Series, he had 57 homers and drove in 142 <laughs> runs. What happened? Huh.
1: Yeah. Because a lot of guys I mean,
0: at 33 finally mature into their bodies and hit 57 home runs.
1: Oh, yeah. Just go through history. Yeah. Like Johnny Mays, Johnny Mays probably had like, you know, a r- rheumatoid arthritis at 33 after already hitting. Like who who starts doing that at 33? So, yeah, 15 homers for the, the Houston in 93. His years with the Cubs. Yeah. He's a, he
0: was a 12 to
1: 15 homer
0: guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 57. Yeah, 57.
1: I mean, this side of Brady Anderson, that's one of the more ridiculous for, you know, sort
0: of. Yeah, that was basically like all the other steroid guys are like, oh, come on, man. Come on. But half the dosage. Would you? You're making us all look bad. (laughs) 57?
1: Yeah, he went from being like a useful left fielder for the Cubs. He was a useful guy, right? He was a fine player. He was smooth. He, yeah, he was a good outfielder. Uh, you know, he was like he's gonna bat two seventy five, he'll gonna base He 30 was, 30 he was the
0: guy he replaced. He was he was but he was a right handed Derek May.
1: Yes. With a little bit more power and maybe health. Yeah. Yeah. A better that's what outfielder.
0: He was, he was a better outfielder. anybody was a better yes, outfielder than yes. Derek May. But uh yeah, and <laughs> so the Cubs are like that's okay, you can go. And uh then just uh, what, five short seasons later, he's uh third in MVP balloting, wins wow. a World Series, gets a game-winning hit in a World Series.
1: It's incredible. It's funny when you look at that Cubs roster, and you just see, like like I was doing it earlier, Like you, know, you see Grace, and you see Sosa, and an old Sandberg. I, like, Luis Gonzalez doesn't even register, because I'm seeing that it's Luis Gonzalez on the Cubs, and to me, it's always just this sort of guy. Yeah. He's, just a, he's just a guy. So... Kudos to you, Luis Gonzalez, and all of you, 1996 Cubs. I think we Yeah,
0: Luis it. made such an impression in '96 that the Cubs uh, replaced him with uh, Doug Glanville in '97. <laughs> 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 well, Glanville, Brad Brown—they didn't really have. They a everybody, everybody played left field for them. It's
1: funny. the bot. That's funny how the bottom continued to drop. Actually, when you look at the 17 to 19 finish 17. Yeah. It just answer. kept going.
0: So at one Seven, point they
1: lost 17 out of 19 <laughs> and I then they lose the first 14 games of the last year. So at one point they, they lost 31 out of 33 games. Do I have that right? Did I, did... well, if you carry it over and it was mostly the same team, they didn't really do anything.
0: Jim Riggleman had Jim Riggleman in his cub career had two 50 game stretches where the team won 20 games. You mentioned that. Think about getting a chance to do that a second time and pulling it off. Congratulations, Joe. Yeah. That a boy.
1: Well, and, and, and the fact that he, before Joe Madden, was the longest-serving Cubs manager in our lifetime. Somehow he, he positioned that 98 wildcard team perfectly, because I'm sure both... Twenty and fifty, or whatever you said. You said they went twenty and 50, two different twenty and fifty stretches. Yeah. To...
0: I don't remember exactly when they. The one of well, them was one would have been. One of them was this. This was the end of.
1: Yes, it had to have been. Yes, obviously,
0: it's obviously one. It and then the other bad. one was um ninety-nine after 99.
1: that yep. that high point when was almost like seventy-seven Cubs in this year's Cubs, where they were like eleven above in early June, and then you know after Tyler Houston hit all... had that big homer.
0: Yeah, it went south, super hard.
1: Well, yeah. So yeah, Jim Riggleman riding the L to work, getting laid more than most yeah. managers. Riding, uh, he,
0: Jim Riggleman took the L twice most days. <laughs> three times, I Three times.
1: That's a, but the perfect way to end that. That's great.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll see what the wheel says next week. But that's the that's the '96 Chicago Cubs. Sayonara. What a bunch. Many of us have herpes.